Excellent. This morning, I want to talk about breakthrough. Actually, I also want to talk about growth, like transformational growth. And this morning, I want to talk, I want to talk about purpose. And this morning, I also want to talk about the struggles that we all face. Actually, I want to talk about all of those things, but I want to talk about those things in light of our perception of them. I really thought it was amazing. Pastor Shane started off my sermon, even though he didn't know it. You know, can, uh, you know, that's right. You become conditioned to your conditions. I want to challenge our conditions this morning. I want to, I want to, I want to upgrade how we look at our problems. But if I, I if I want to, here's my challenge for you. Okay, this is this is your task while you're sitting here this morning. If you accept it, while I'm challenging our perceptions, while while, while we're while we're talking about this subject. It can be, like if I give you a, a new set of glasses or, 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 a, or a colored set of glasses, everything in the world looks different. But you notice when you go to the optometrist to make sure it works just right, when, you know, we have that, that little thing and they put the lenses in place. They don't ask you to look around the room. They just ask you to look at the chart, right? I just want you to focus on one thing. So while I'm speaking this morning, I feel like God is waiting on the other side of a perception shift for all of us. I, I think that God is waiting on the other side of a change in how we view the world for all of us. So I think as I'm speaking, God's going to reveal to you at least one area in your life, one area in your life, whether it's just the thing that annoys you most in your life. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about your perception in light of the thing in your life you like the least. For example, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've just been waiting for a change in your marriage and it doesn't seem to be happening, Right? Maybe you've been waiting for a breakthrough in your finances and it just doesn't seem to be happening. And it's just annoying you, right? You're just sick of waiting for this thing to happen. You know, and, and I, I feel like we've been conditioned to our conditions. Thank you, Pastor Shane. Uh, I feel like we've been conditioned to our conditions and I just want to challenge our perception. So this morning, I want you to think of the one thing that bugs you most in your life, the one thing you're struggling with most in your life. And as we change the, as we change the view... See what God's speaking to you about. Is that cool? Will you accept that challenge? Yes? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone here. And Lord, I just pray that you will help us find something of what you want us to know right now today. Speak to every single heart. Actually, we know you're speaking. Help us to hear the word you're speaking to every single heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9 is an interesting parable by Jesus, right? It's only found in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. It's not in any of the other Gospels. And it's the parable of the barren fig tree. Pretty good, right? It's the barren fig tree. And, uh, and so Jesus tells the parable, and you can read it for yourself because you know, you know what a Bible looks like. Well, if you don't, we can show you. Yeah, it looks like your phone most times. Interesting, did you know? No, I'm not going to tell you. Side note. Okay. <clears throat> Anyway, so Jesus is talking about the parable, and he says, once this guy, this, this, this landowner, he goes out to his fig tree, and he's hungry, so he's looking for some figs, and he finds no figs on it, because it's barren. And he says to the guy who's the caretaker of the, of the figs, he says, this thing has been barren for three years. I've been coming out for three years expecting to find figs, and there's no figs on it. Cut this thing down. Why should it use up the soil? Why should it use up the soil? And the caretaker, he said, how about you leave it alone for one year? And let me dig around it. I'll dig around it, and then I'll add some fertilizer. And if at the end of one year it hasn't, you know, hasn't grown any figs, then I'll cut it down. And that's the parable. Now, I've got to tell you, if you're a bit like me, that's never been a particularly useful parable. But 
I think there's something in it, right? I just, I, just, I, I just think there's something in it because I think, and I don't know about you, but I think I get frustrated and I get stuck in my life and every once in a while, sick of waiting for a breakthrough, sick of waiting for change, sick of struggling with the same old thing, I just want to cut a tree down, right? I'm just sick of walking out and finding no figs on the flipping fig tree. Cut this thing down. So if you've got a fig tree you already cut down this morning, I think it's time, because there's, there's, there's an interesting thing because there's two guys in the parable and one tree, but there's two perceptions. Two perceptions. One guy sees a tree that's barren. The other guy sees a tree with potential, right? In spite of its barrenness, might I add. One guy sees a tree that's just a waste of every resource. And the other guy sees a tree that has an opportunity to do something with. And, and I can't help but feel that maybe I want to be the second guy other than the first guy. You know what I mean? How did he do it? Because interestingly enough, both guys have a perception of the tree, but neither one of them has the ability to put figs on the fig tree. Interesting. So, there's an interesting parallel as well. If you can turn to as well in Psalm chapter 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says this, and it's one of those infuriating lines that some of us just remember, and I've always remembered it, and it's really frustrated me. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... The person who builds it, builds it in vain. What the flip? That's double talk, right? It gets worse. It says, unless the, watch, unless the Lord watches over the city, the person who watches over the city stays awake in vain. So let's back this up to the builder. You're telling me that I can build, I can be productive every single day of my life, but unless the Lord is building what I'm building, I'm wasting my time. How do I know if I'm wasting my time? This is a problem, Right? And unless the Lord's watching over the city, the person who stays awake is wasting his time because if God's not in it, then nothing is going to come from it. So how do I do this so that God's in it? And, and what does it have to do with a fig tree? I have to ask a question. And I want to challenge it. I, I want you to follow it through because it might be a little bit confronting at first. But I just want to talk about a subtle perception change here. Are you responsible for changing your marriage? Are you responsible for changing your finances? Are you responsible for defeating your own demons that you struggle with every single day? Because I think most of us would go, yes. But here's my challenge. Maybe we're not. And wait for the entire logic and don't crucify me until you get to the end. Remember the second person who looked at the fig tree that was barren, right? And he said, let me dig around it. And let me give it fertilizer and give it time, right? What if, what if you are not responsible for changing your marriage, your finances, your struggle? What if you are responsible for creating an environment where change can occur? What if you are responsible for making choices that create space for God to move? What if... What if what if you were responsible, rather than fighting the addiction that you fight every day, fighting, fighting those websites that you go to, fighting, fighting that gossip that you listen to, fighting those cigarettes that you cling to, fighting that bottle that you go to, what if instead of fighting the battle, you chose to create an environment by your choices, creating an environment where the addiction fails and God can succeed, creating a space for God to actually move? The second guy who looked at the barren fig tree saw opportunity because he said, I can make some changes 
to the environment of the tree and then let the tree do what only the tree can do. Here's the perception shift. That's the challenge. So in your life, in your marriage, what if in your marriage, if you're waiting for change in your marriage, what if it's not up to you to make the change? Maybe we always spend our time being the guy building the house. I'm productive. I'm making a difference. And then for some reason you step back and go, what is, why is it everything I seem to do becomes undone? What if it's actually more about letting God take control and my job is to simply create an environment in my marriage where change and transformation can occur? I think that's a hard thing for us to do because we like control. But what if? There's my challenge. What if? Your job isn't to change things. Your job is to create a space for change to happen. And the second question is, how do we do that? How do we deal with our addictions? How do we deal with what we're struggling with? How do we, how do we wait for growth? How do we look for breakthrough and meaning? And let only God do what only God can do. How do we do that? Well, there's this interesting guy called Aristotle, right? Aristotle, philosopher, polymath, dead guy, really. Uh, long ago dead, might I add, but he was kind of brilliant, apparently, and uh, I really like what he has to say, because he said, um, he actually had a definition of virtues, because here's the thing, I think if we, if we want to change our perception, if we want to create an environment where change can occur, maybe we need to challenge our definition of what we want, and so he had, he had, this, he had this definition of virtues, right, and he actually defined virtues, good things, right, good things, like generosity or, or, or courage, you know, virtues. He didn't define it as a fixed point. He defined it as somewhere in the middle, as an average between two points of excess. Let me explain. Aristotle defined um, courage. Aristotle defined courage not as I have courage or that's courage I'm heading towards it. No, he defined it somewhere in the middle between fear and foolishness, which is an interesting thought because it makes a lot of sense. Somewhere in the middle of fear and foolishness is courage because foolishness is a bad thing. No one wants to be foolish. Foolishness will get you killed and, and, and fear will cause you not to do anything at all. Right? You have to be, you have to find, they're both negative points, they're excesses. But somewhere in the middle of fear and foolishness is courage, and that's where I want to be. And, and, and he spoke about generosity. He spoke about generosity as someone who is in the middle between stinginess and extravagance. Right? Rather than a fixed point, I want to be generous. What if we, because we're talking about creating a space. Right? We're, we're challenging ourselves if our perception is rather than to make the change, to create a space for the change to happen. So what if generosity is actually not a fixed point? What if we don't see it as a fixed point? What if we see it as a line between stinginess and extravagance? Because if you're extravagant all the time, you'll never be generous because you'll never have any money. And if you're stingy all the time, well, then you'll never actually have you know, you'll never have the willingness to be generous. But if you want to be generous, you need to find somewhere in the middle between two negative things. And can I also add, these two negative things are actually moving targets, which makes it even more complex. It's very frustrating, but it's true. Because I might have had courage when I was five years old or six years old or seven years old when my father would send me down the flat to turn off the water pump. 
And as I was going down the flat, there were always these plovers, and the plovers would always swoop. Now, here's something the adult Colin knew that the, the child Colin didn't. Plovers swoop, but they never hit. And my dad would laugh and laugh, but it took me a lot of courage to run across that field the whole time thinking I was about to get picked up by a giant plover and dropped or, 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 you know, cracked on the top of the head by this plover and, you know, bleed to death on the ground. And my father was laughing, which made no sense at all to to the seven-year-old Colin. But to me, that was courage. Now, it's not so much of a courage thing for me because it's a moving target. So maybe the thing that I was working towards before, I need to redefine Because I need to find the tension between the two points. And what if you can actually apply this to every good thing you want in your life? What if your relationship with people, what if your relationship with people shouldn't be defined as a fixed point, but as as a point between two negative opposite forces? What if, say, a relationship with your spouse, rather than defined as a good marriage, was uh, a spot between selflessness and selfishness? Both are negative. Selflessness sounds good, but it will destroy you in the end if you never let anyone know what you actually want. And selfishness, well, that's going to do you no good at all in a, in a relationship. But what if we actually have to grab hold of both and hold the tension, hold the balance somewhere in the middle? How do we define that? How do we define that? Here's this interesting one. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 16 to 18. Do not be overrighteous. Neither be overwise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be overwicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? And this is the clincher. It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. What if the perception shift we're really needing today for that one area in your life is redefining? Redefining the one thing that you want. What's your goal? You know, and is your goal a fixed point or is your goal a tension, a balance that you need to maintain between two negative forces? And if we can just maintain it long enough, if we can, if we can create and cultivate an atmosphere where change can occur, then maybe God can do it. Maybe we'll create a space where God can do what only God can do. And we won't be conditioned to our conditions anymore. That's our perception shift this morning. And I, I think there's a practical side of this, but I think the outworking of it in every single one of our lives is different. And there's no way we could cover all of them. So the hard thing about it, because it's a balance, because it's a tension that needs to be maintained, it's up to you. And it's up to me to create a space where God can do what only God can do. Create the space where the Lord can build the house and I don't labor in vain. You know, it's an interesting thing. I was working with Idai Seppi yesterday, hanging this, hanging this plastic up at, at, for the men's muster. And uh, I was very useless. Yep, that's pretty much it. I was very useless in the presence of a builder, right? We got this long ladder. And uh, he's climbing the ladder, like the guy's, I don't know, 150, and uh, at least 150. He's, he's scaling this like, 25-meter long ladder, um, and, uh, and he's you know, hanging off the side and wiring stuff up, and he's pulling pliers out, and I'm thinking, I would have died several times by now. 
And I can't help but feel I was very, very useless, but every time he needed me to hand him something, I was there. And I created an environment where the builder could build. I created an environment where the builder could build. What if we just stopped trying to make the difference and started trying to create a space where the difference could just happen? Why don't you stand with me this morning? I just feel like God was saying that he is waiting on the other side of a perception change for all of us this morning. A change in view, an upgrade in what we're seeing. To challenge our definitions of what we want, to challenge our definitions of what we think we need, and to stop seeing what we want as a fixed point and start seeing it as a tension held between two opposite negative forces. And I just pray this morning, you just close your eyes. I just pray that over each and every heart here this morning that we would be challenged to have conversations, that we would be challenged to see what we've been looking at in an entirely different light. I challenge us that we would be able to create a space for the builder to build and we do everything around to make the builder builder's work easier. That we create a space where the fig tree can grow figs. We create a space in our marriage. We create a space in our finances. We create a space in our workplace, in our careers. We create a space. We create a space in the area that's just been bugging us for a long time, wondering why this fig tree won't pop out figs. And instead of seeing the problem, instead of seeing the waste, we would just see an opportunity to create a space for God to transform our lives. Lord, I just thank you for our hearts. I thank you for the chance to challenge our conditions, to challenge what we're seeing, to challenge our environment, to challenge our atmosphere, to challenge our definitions. I pray that you would just help each and every one of us. I bless each and every one of us to be new, new in how we look at it, new in how we see what's sitting in front of us. In Jesus' name, we declare your grace, your freedom, your power, your transformative power.